You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hi, everyone. This is House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, your host for the hour. We've got a great show. First of all, for those of you wondering about what's going on with the poker room at Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun and gambling in general, we have an expert on that topic. He is Dr. Clyde Barrow. He is the general manager of Pyramid Associates and a professor of public policy at the University of Texas. He is somebody that has looked into the question of New England gaming for a long time, Northeast gaming, and he's going to talk about that. And then state of online poker is something that I get asked about all the time. So we've brought in an expert. His name is Steve Ruddick. He is, among other things, a poker columnist for Bluff Magazine. He's going to bring us up to date on all the developments for online poker. So stay tuned. We'll also have a mailbag segment. We'll be back real soon. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with the highest quality gaming suede on the market. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now, you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a pro-caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, that's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O, when you check out at ProCaliber.com or when ordering by phone at 24025-POKER, 24025-POKER, that's 240-257-6537. ProCaliber Poker Tables, stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash H-O-C radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash H-O-C radio. The key to winning poker is knowledge. And winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. Cash games, small tournaments. Whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win, winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. Some houses are born bad. You're listening to the House of Cards. I never dreamed that any mere physical experience could be so stimulating. Hi, 
right, listeners, welcome back. This is Ashley Adams, your host, and uh, we are joined by a repeat visitor, somebody who's been here before. He's an expert in the field of casino gaming. Uh, the last time we talked to him, he was at uh, UMass. He is now a professor of public policy at the University of Texas at Rio Grande, and he is the general manager of Pyramid Associates. His name is Dr. Clive, I'm sorry, Dr. Clyde Barrow. Uh, Clyde, are you there? I am here. Good. So tell us what Pyramid Associates is. Uh, Well, we're a private consulting firm, and essentially we spun off from the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. We've been in existence since 2006. Our main specialization is gaming policy, gaming market analysis, economic impact analysis, and we manage the Northeastern Gaming Research Project, which was previously affiliated with UMass, but we've since taken that over and spun it off as a private, private entity. So you created something that became so successful that you had to leave your job to go do it uh, almost full-time, as well as being a professor now at the University of Texas. That's pretty much uh, sums it up. Not too shabby. So, okay, you did something known as the Northeastern Gaming Research Project. Is that an ongoing project, or is it something that had a finite span of time and now you have a report from it? Uh, no, that's uh, an ongoing project. We started that in 2004. As I mentioned, it was previously affiliated with UMass. As of this year, we spun it off. It became part of Pyramid Associates, but it is an ongoing project. It's now been in existence for 11 years. Uh, we monitor the gaming industry in 13 northeastern states, essentially from Maryland to Ohio to Maine. We monitor economic and fiscal impacts, social impacts, and pretty much try to stay abreast of everything that's going on uh, in those 13 states with the casino gaming industry. Okay. Well, I have some very specific questions. Uh, The takeaway I have from the summary that I read is that things are hurting in New England, uh, that Foxwoods and Mohegan have not recovered from the a great recession and the uh, introduction of casino gaming in other states that are relatively nearby. Can you give us your um, thoughts on what has happened and how bad it really is at Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods? Yeah, it's it's a it's a mixed bag. If you look at the overall northeastern gaming industry, it has actually grown by about two and a half billion two and a half billion dollars from the trough of the industry in the Great Recession two thousand and nine through two thousand and fourteen. So overall, the industry is growing, uh, but some of that growth has come at the expense of what we call the legacy states, particularly New Jersey and Connecticut. And in Connecticut, if we look at the the two resort casinos there, Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods Resorts, uh, they've seen their uh, gaming revenues decline by about 38% over the last eight years uh, since the peak of the industry in 2006. And their employment levels have declined proportionally by almost 6,000 jobs. So bottom line, though, are they losing money now or are they just not making as much money uh, in profit each year as they used to? Yeah, it's really the latter. It's not they're not it's not they're not losing money. Uh they're still profitable. They're making money, but they are in the process of downsizing. They would probably say right sizing. Uh but they are becoming smaller, but they're just becoming more profitable at a lower level. Well, it's funny because Foxwoods, although they're not expanding their space, they seem to be bringing in and doing internal construction for more um, retail outlets, is that part of their downsizing of gaming or is it really an expansion? What, what do you see going on? Uh, it's part of a reconfiguration of the whole gaming industry uh, based on what happened in Las Vegas and Nevada over the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, what they're doing is trying to shift more and more their emphasis away from gaming to non-gaming, and they're using their non-gaming amenities to try to draw people in with hope that they will perhaps spend some money on gaming. Just give you an example. Uh, our data shows that about 25% of the people who visit Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods Resort in Connecticut do not gamble at all. They come there for the retail shopping, for the entertainment, for the dining, for the live entertainment venues, the dance clubs. Uh, so, so it's really becoming 
more of an overall inter- regional entertainment complex rather than just a gambling venue, and they're trying to expand that profile. I always have a question about that. I've noticed over the years that the retail stores that there are at Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, and they have a lot of the high-end folks that you'd figure would be for uh, high-end gamblers. Does the casino make any money directly from sales at the retail outlets? In other words, if I go in and I'm buying a uh, a leather jacket at one of the high-end stores, it's always more expensive than buying it at a high-end store, not at the casino. Does the casino get a piece of the action, or are they only relying on the rent that the retail outlet is uh, paying, or is there some other formula that I might figure out how much the casino makes from the different retail outlets? Yeah, it's really a combination of three things. Uh, in some cases, they actually own the retail outlet, though that's less and less a part of their portfolio. Generally speaking, what they do is lease space uh, to outside uh, retail vendors, a, a Gucci or a Swatch, whoever it may be. So they collect lease payments for the use of their space. But you also have to remember that aside from the casino itself, the tribe is is a sovereign governmental entity, so they have the ability to impose taxes. Uh, they impose a, a retail sales tax of 8%, which is consistent with what the state of Connecticut imposes. So most people don't even realize it, but that tax revenue goes to support tribal government rather than the state of Connecticut. I see. Listeners will be right back after a quick timeout. Attention poker players! Do you like using your tablet or phone at the poker table, but hate running out of battery at the end of a long tournament day or cash game? Then you need the Grinder Gadget. The Grinder Gadget is a portable, compact charging station and stand designed by poker players for poker players. It gently grips the rail and allows you to prop up and charge your phone or tablet without touching the felt. The Grinder Gadget not only works well on a poker rail, but just about anywhere an airplane tray, a desk, anywhere. No more setting up your tablet on some wobbly table or leaving it on the floor. Its battery is powerful enough to charge most tablets and phones and still have plenty of juice left over for your headphones or any other device you have. You can even purchase a backup battery for those extra long sessions or trips. So if you like to grind while you grind, the Grinder Gadget is exactly what you've been waiting for. Check out www.grindergadget.com for more information. Get grinding and stay grinding with the Grinder Gadget. You're listening to the House of Cards. It's not fun making the right play and getting the wrong result. But you know what? That's poker. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Ashley Adams. You are listening to House of Cards. Listeners, we're talking with Clyde Barrow. He is the general manager of Pyramid Associates and a professor of public policy at the University of Texas. So... Then here's my question about going forward. If Connecticut and Mohegan Sun are suffering from the other casinos in the area, that while Northeast Gaming as a whole is increasing, their piece of the pie is greatly down from what it was seven, eight, nine years ago, what's going to happen when Massachusetts has two uh, full-blown casinos and one slot parlor, and I know that Pennsylvania is opening up at least one more uh, casino in the Philadelphia area. The Quartz family, if I remember correctly, is opening up one. And uh, when New York comes in, what's going to happen then? What are the predictions? Well, we actually are about to release an analysis of of that uh, in a few days. Uh, Our estimate is essentially that the two casinos, two of the casinos that will open in New York and two of the casinos that will open in Massachusetts will displace or cannibalize about $700 million of the revenues uh, in Connecticut. So they're going to potentially suffer another 38 to 40% loss in gross gaming revenues as well as non-gaming revenues unless they take some action to countermand that. Now, I would add, again, they downsize. One of the things I always emphasize to people, uh, 
even if they were to suffer that loss, you're still talking about casinos uh, that go from 1.9 to 1.2 billion dollars, about 600 million dollars a piece. These are still huge casinos. They would they would still be larger than the largest casino in Atlantic City at this point, and larger than most casinos in Las Vegas, which most people don't realize. Uh, so despite sort of the right sizing, uh, these are still going to be very large, very profitable casinos. And you probably know they're proposing satellite facilities to intercept some of that revenue lost to Massachusetts and New York. Uh, so it, it may not be quite as dire as some are predicting. No, I don't know anything about satellite facilities. Oh, you mean that some of the new uh, places in New York may be run by Mohegan Sun or run by Foxwoods? Well, now what Foxwoods and Mohegan have done is form a partnership, and they have proposed legislation in Connecticut that would allow them to open up to three satellite facilities owned by the tribe but operated as commercial facilities, uh, basically on the New York and Massachusetts border that would allow them to intercept some of that traffic that might be going to these new facilities so that they could sort of stem some of the potential flow out of state. No, I didn't know anything about that. So what is a satellite facility? Is it just another casino, a small version of uh, Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, or is it something else? No, that would exactly be it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a destination resort. It would be a convenience facility, perhaps have 1,500 to 2,000 slot machines and you know, 75 to 100 table games basically to attract convenience gamblers, uh, retain some of their customer base that they might lose to out-of-state facilities. Uh, but they would be they would be owned by the tribes, but they would be operated as commercial facilities, just like a, a regular commercial casino. And that's being debated in the state of Connecticut. Going to be big issue here over the next few weeks. Wow! Uh, just for our listeners to know, we are talking to Dr. Clyde Barrow, who is a professor of public policy at the University of Texas at the Rio Grande campus, and he's also the general manager of Pyramid Associates. Um, so if you were if you were betting, would you bet that New York State is going to have uh, successful casino gaming? Or do you think that there's a possibility that the market will be oversaturated by the time they open up and that they may not succeed? Well, I've said before, and I'll stand by this, that I think with New York and Massachusetts coming into the market, perhaps New Hampshire is another potential player. Uh, at that point, I think we reach saturation. I know that's been used as a negative word, but all saturation means is that supply equals demand. Uh, it's a state of equilibrium, so there's not a problem with that. Uh, we'll see where we go from there. I think the New York facilities will be successful. Uh, keeping in mind that the New York gambling regulators, however, were so concerned about the possibility of oversaturation that they actually tended to select facilities that were in rather remote areas. They were sort of small to medium-sized facilities, by which I mean two to $400 million facilities. Um, so they're not on the magnitude of, of some of the things we've seen in Atlantic City uh, or Connecticut. They really hedge their bets. And do you think there's a possibility that uh, New Jersey is going to allow casino gambling outside of Atlantic City, like, for example, at the Meadowlands, which would just be yeah. like dropping an atomic bomb of gambling in the region? Do you think that's going to happen? It would be. I don't know if they're going to do that, partly because of it just its devastating impact on Atlantic City. There is so many billions of dollars of capital invested in Atlantic City that I think for the foreseeable future, the plan will be to find ways to resurrect and protect uh, those facilities. I, I think the data shows that in the last few months, Atlantic City seems to have stabilized. They're not declining anymore. So I think once you stabilize those facilities and now have eight casinos instead of 12, uh, the most prosperous facility. I mean, Harris has survived. Uh, the uh, Borgata has survived. Some of the other Caesars Palace, Bally's. I think the point in Atlantic City will now be to try to figure out a way to grow that. And I think the key to their growth will be the airport, whether or not they can develop air service into Atlantic City. It's just a hard place to get to. Don't they have air service? I know they used to have junkets you could take from Boston to AC, uh, uh, a hotel stay and a flight combined. 
Don't they already right have now, an airport? Yeah. Right now, the only air service they have is out of Boston and I believe Atlanta. They have one airline coming into the airport. Uh, but there are a number of states in their jurisdiction or within their market area, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, North and South Carolina, they don't have gaming. Uh, if they could find a way to make it more convenient for people to get there by air service, they still have a large market they could tap into. Sure. I, I, I don't understand why they don't have it already. Is it just a space consideration? They don't have enough runway space to accommodate larger planes that they would need to come from further away? Why don't they have direct flights from Chicago, uh, from uh, Miami, from all over the world, United States? You're asking a question I've been asking for 10 years. I don't know the answer to it. They have plenty of capacity at the airport. They have plenty of runway capacity. Uh, it just hasn't been done. Maybe there's no airline that wants to fly because they don't have enough of a market for people that want to go to Atlantic City. Maybe that's it. Um, uh, I don't know. I think the market's there. I well, I, I don't do get it. it. But I have. we have about two minutes left, and I wanted to address a concern for poker players, and that is – has the poker volume – do you even break out statistics so you know that, well, you know, the poker room revenues have tracked the casino revenues. They've done better. They've done worse. They've gone down quick, more quickly. Any idea how that compares? Yeah, uh, more and more of the casino statistics, we, we break poker out from table games. It used to be rolled into just general table games, so you couldn't really track it. Now everybody's tending to break that out because of the popularity of poker. Poker's still doing very well. It still seems to be growing. Uh, the main issue for large casinos is, is it doesn't generate as much revenue per table. generates about a third as much uh, per day as, say, a blackjack or roulette table would generate. Uh, but overall, in terms of popularity, it, it certainly has, has not gone into a decline. Poker's, poker's still a, a very popular popular play. Well, that's good to hear because my fear was that when Pennsylvania, when Pennsylvania, well, when Pennsylvania opens its room around Philly, when uh, New Hampshire, if they open up casinos, certainly when Massachusetts and New York do, that Foxwoods and Mohegan may lose their poker room. They may close it. I mean, Mohegan closed it for a long period of time anyway. Yep. Do you yeah. see that as a possibility? Uh, I don't see that happening. I think there will be tables across the board may be reduced as a consequence of declining revenues, but I don't think they're going to single out poker for elimination. Well, that's good to know. Just too, it's just too popular right now. It continues to be very popular. Well, I think that's a perfect note on which to end this, Clyde, and I appreciate you joining us as always, and we look forward to having you back when there are new developments in the Northeast poker world. Happy to be it. All right, listeners, that was Dr. Clyde Barrow, who is a professor of public policy at the University of Texas and also the general manager of Pyramid Associates. We're going to take a quick pause, and then we'll be right back. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code BABE16 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code BABE16. That's B-A-B-E-16 at adamandeve.com. Molly's been having four scoops a day, and she has slimmed down and gotten this puppy look. Her coat has sheen. You can't believe it. Oh, yeah. It. 
Her breath is better. She's just perkier. It's just so totally amazing. She's a gorgeous Springer Spaniel. She's 12 and a half years old. The last two, three years, she was really becoming very old, very slow, was very sad. I thought, oh, this is it. I was driving along one day, and I heard this person raving about Dynavite. Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. She's got life. She's got energy. She's got stuff to give. She loves it. She chomps it every last single crumb. These ingredients are natural. The flax and the yeast cultures and the grains. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. We're on our third order now. We just want everybody to know about Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. dot com. Need to sell your house fast? We're Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people. You've seen our big yellow billboards with our caveman Ugg, but did you know that Homevestors is America's number one home buyer? At Homevestors, we can buy your house as is, pay you cash, and usually pay most of the closing costs, and we close fast. Call today for your no obligation consultation and get out of that ugly real estate situation. If your house needs repairs, you're ready to downsize. Tired of renters and those rental property repairs, retiring, experiencing a job transfer, inherited a property, or just need to sell your house fast. Do what thousands of satisfied Homevestor customers have done. Call Homevestors today for a no-obligation consultation at 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. We'll close fast and pay cash. So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to let you know about a newspaper in the New England area. If you're looking for poker tournaments or the latest promotions at Foxwoods, Mohegan Sun, Twin River, or if you want to find out what's happening in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, or other casinos around the country then I recommend you check out New England Gaming News for all the latest news, events, and hot casino action from around the region. You can do that in one of two ways. You can either pick up their free copies at gambling venues throughout New England, or you can visit them at www.thenegn.com and sign up for exclusive specials and promotions. That's www.thenegn.com. The N-E-G-N, T-H-E-N-E-G-N dot com. The New England Gaming News, New England's only resource for complete casino and poker news. Hey, this is Dave Weishuttle from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of May 18th, 2015. According to the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Caesars Entertainment is in discussions with the U.S. Department of Treasury in order to settle money laundering allegations against the casino giant. The department investigated Caesars Palace for alleged violations of the Bank Secrecy Act in 2013. Caesars could face a fine between $12 million and $20 million. The April revenue figures are out, and there's some good news and some bad news for New Jersey. The good news is the Garden State saw a double-digit increase in the Internet gambling revenue, which rose 11%, bringing in $12.7 million. The bad news is the overall revenue figures fell 16% from this time last year. The overall leader in revenue is still the Borgata, but the Golden Nugget, Resorts, and Harrah's all saw double-digit revenue increases in the month of April. And finally, it was man versus machine in a very strange poker tournament. The Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh hosted a Brains versus Artificial Intelligence poker tournament. For two weeks, human pros played a computer program called Clonico, developed by the scientists at Carnegie Mellon University. The human players were Jason Lass, Doug Polk, Bjorn Lee, and Don Kim. In the end, the humans won over $730,000. However, the scientists who developed the program said it was a statistical tie. I think that's just sour grapes. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards. The weather is getting nicer, so grab your tablet or your cell phone and bring nj.partypoker.com with you. Why would you want to go to Atlantic City or Pennsylvania, pay for gas, pay for parking, fight the crowds, when you can play the same games at home or wherever you are? If you're 21 and in New Jersey, go to nj.partypoker.com and sign up using the promo code HOC. Start playing and start winning some cash. It's that easy. Go to nj.partypoker.com and sign up today with promo code HOC. 
You're listening to the House of Cards. Is is that good? Do, do I want that? Oh yeah, you want that. Well, fantastic then. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards, and we have a returning guest, somebody who's an expert on online poker developments and a poker columnist for Bluff Magazine, among other outlets, Steve Ruddick. Steve, welcome. How are you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing great. Uh, We're glad to be chatting with you. Tell the listeners where you are physically. Where are you now these days? In Massachusetts. Oh, wonderful. So you're what part of the state? Uh, uh, Milford, Mass. Oh, okay. Milford, which was the site of the unfortunately unsuccessful effort to get a casino. Yes. Were you one of the eight or nine people that voted in favor of it there? I know it was a landslide voting against it. (laughs) Yeah, I even got my wife to vote for it. it (laughs) That that was uh, two of the 12 votes, I guess. Um, Actually, Milford is... uh, it's kind of almost, well, not quite equidistant, but it probably takes you almost as long to get to Everett as it does to get to Ledyard, Connecticut. Yeah, I already mapped it out. It's, yeah, it's like an hour 15 no matter what I do. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's get to the subject at hand. I'll tell you, uh, just about everybody that knows that I'm in the poker world and uh, know people like you, they all ask me the same question, which is, when are we going to have online poker back? So can you talk to us about what's been going on across the country with the development of uh, intrastate and uh, with compacts between states for online poker? Yeah, it's actually uh, it's been quite a few weeks. Um, you had the Delaware-Nevada interstate compact go live last week, and um, that hasn't really produced too much of a bump yet, but it's been moderate and it will probably continue to grow especially in delaware which had a very very low um participation rate for um historical from a historical perspective so just for those people that don't know exactly what we're talking about nevada legalized poker online uh, for people in the state delaware did the same and now you can They've joined their two state networks. Is that right? Yes. It's actually a huge development, because uh, especially if it is successful, because it will entice other states to hop on board. And does the federal government not think that this is in violation of UIGEA by nature of the fact that now it is no longer intrastate but interstate? Uh, UIGEA actually had a special exemption for just this type of thing. They, um, there's a clause in there that allows, they, it says um, expressly for illegal gambling, and it goes on to say that state-licensed intrastate gambling is fine. It's not covered under UIGA. And it also has something about states being able to work with other states with legal with the same legal framework. So there's actually uh, a little bit of foresight by the people who wrote UIGEA when they did it, that they were still looking at these states' rights, part of the uh, argument, which is a big deal now with Rawa going through and things like that. So the idea is that if the state legalizes it intrastate, then they can hook up with other states that have legalized it intrastate. So then there'd be a a natural follow-up possibility, not just with other states that legalize it, and they may be enticed to do so because now there's a larger network of potential players because they could hook up with other states. But here's my question. In the old days, people in the United States competed with people all over the world on party poker, paradise poker, etc. Would it be possible without violating UIGEA for states that have legalized it and connected to also connect to nations around the world? It's a little trickier, but the short answer is yes. Uh, New Jersey is actually talking about that already. If you looked at the um, 
Division of Gaming Enforcement year one summary for their online gambling industry. They actually mentioned that as one of the things they were exploring was uh, international networking, which is also so long as the frameworks are the same and the controls meet what UIGA sets out. It should be okay, but there's a lot more um, logistical problems. Why? What are the logistic? What are the logistical problems, Steve? Well, France, France has it. Spain has it. Portugal has it. Italy has it. They've been talking about teaming up together for years now, and they can't get it done. Just having trouble, and they're all part of the EU, so they're having trouble just coming to grips with their different regulatory bodies. Even though they're all basically the EU is similar to the United States, so it would be probably even more difficult for a state in the U.S., which is not part of the EU, to make the regulatory framework the same, just to get the two things to match up. I see. You have to, like, for instance, you could have France saying that you have to be 18 years old. Well, how do you balance that with the U.S.'s 21-year-old age requirement? Well, why would we care? I mean, let's say the state of... uh... Nevada has uh, the restriction on only 21-year-olds and older can gamble. What do they care if there are 11-year-olds in France that are doing it? Uh, it's probably more so for just um, the optics of it, I would say. But, there, I mean, I'm sure there's specific reasons and just different things like that. I mean, what do you do? Like, I'm sure they probably go through all the different scenarios of, okay, what if, uh, you know, Pierre from France, who's 18, is over in Nevada, and now he wants to play on his account. Is that possible? How do we... Absolutely um, not. That's outrageous. He has to stay in <laughs> France to do it. we got to figure out the technology. I get it. I understand now, I think. Um, okay, well, because to me... Online poker will not be back to what it was ever because the level of play is, I think, has forever improved. The the audience of neophytes has been diminished to a very small number because now people know what it's involved and everybody has a bad story about, oh, I lost all my money. And so it's going to be tough, just like it was before Black Friday. It was tough on you know poker stars. Um, but also, it seems to me it's going to be a while uh, to get the international flavor back to uh, U.S. gaming. But what are the things that are most likely to happen next in this country? If you could kind of go down the road and talk about the next three, four, or five steps towards uh, you know, uh, bringing back full Internet uh, poker in the United States. The, the most critical step that has to happen next is a mid-to-large state has to legalize and regulate online poker, whether it's, I don't even want to say Pennsylvania, there are about 12 million people, but that would be like the border, the low end of what I would call a mid-sized state. So Pennsylvania, they're a likely candidate. Uh, California obviously would be huge. Um, Then you have like New York is also explored it. You need a state like that. Florida. Florida, they're un, that's an unlikely candidate, but that would be a very good state to have it. Right. Just so that we can have a online poker market that is actually thriving. I mean, New Jersey has almost 9 million people, and they're, I would say it's been a disappointment. Yes. From a, just a revenue standpoint, and basically what they've shown is that 10 million people will get you one or two viable online poker sites at the most. Probably better if they just had one, just to get liquidity up at the one site. So you need a really large state or a couple of states, New Jersey and Pennsylvania, working together. New Jersey, Nevada, Delaware, Pennsylvania working together. Right. For other states to say, okay, yeah, there is actually money in this, and then they would join up. But all of that is... Every any state that passes it, it's a two year process. If Pennsylvania were to pass a bill tomorrow, they probably wouldn't be up and running till close to two thousand seventeen. Right. So we're talking to Steve Ruddick, who is an expert on online poker and a poker columnist for Bluff Magazine. So what would be 
the order of states coming in based on what you've seen so far? Who would be next and next and next and next, if, if you could guess? Um, my money would go on Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, so that would be sometime in the next couple of years. Yes, yeah, I would expect them to make some good progress this year. Who um, else? Possibly pass a bill next year. Okay. Who else might be coming in in the next two or three years? California is always a possibility, but they have a lot of um, internal issues. It's a huge state. There's tribal gaming, there's card rooms, there's racetracks. So there's a lot of uh, moving parts. Right. Divergent gaming interests there. Right. What about Ohio? What about New York? What about um, any of the other states that might be possible? New, New York has explored it. There's a, a senator and a um, assembly member that have introduced bills in the past. They haven't gone anywhere. But that's one state that's definitely a possibility and someone to keep an eye on in the next couple of years. Um, Ohio, I haven't heard much coming out of there. A lot of it is basically dependent on your legislature and your governor. Like you mentioned Florida earlier, and Rick Scott is one of the um, governors who signed Adelson's ban online gambling thing. So as long as he's in office, it's just never going to happen. Right. Uh, Can we make any generalizations about political parties? Do the Dems tend to be more in favor of this than the Republicans? Is it the other way around? Is it balanced? Is it all over the map? It's pretty all over the map. If the Republicans that are for it are usually more of the um, have a libertarian streak. And the Democrats that are for it are usually usually um, more of the um, socially liberal Democrats, not so much fiscally liberal. So you have um, somebody like Barney Frank was very obviously involved in trying to get it legalized. But then you have, you know, um, Joe Barton, who's pretty pretty conservative guy, but he does have a libertarian streak to him. So mm. it's it's a really strange bedfellows the uh, online gambling, especially whether for or against. Well, I mean, you the Rowell Bill, you have Diane Feinstein and Jason Chaffetz. Right. Well, I got to just say we're going to conclude, but I I think when people ask me this question, I tend to say. When the, when the question is, when are we going to have the old days, I say pretty much never. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, and for the exact reason you said earlier, the game's just changed too much, the available information. When I when I got started in the game, if you read the theory of poker, right. that was, I mean, you were light years ahead of everyone. <laughs> right, now everybody's now, read it and they've written their own books. <laughs> right, that was advanced reading back then, and now it's like... The, takes up the process of a book right. today. Well, Steve, we're going to have Thank to you. end there, but we'll have you back on to talk more. And uh, you're, as always, you're a very informative and a very good guest. I appreciate you coming here. Thanks for having me. That was Steve Ruddick, who is the poker columnist for Bluff, among many other things. Uh, we'll be back after a quick timeout. Make your game night the envy of all your friends and family. Play on a -a one-of-a-kind table. Play on a pro-caliber poker table. Pro-caliber tables are made with high-quality gaming suede and suited speed cloths. And with their Table Builder app, customers can create a table to accommodate any game. Select one of the in-stock designs from their site or imprint your own. And now you can get a free 600-count coin inlay chipset when you purchase a pro-caliber poker table. Here's how. Use offer code HOCRADIO when you check out at ProCaliberPoker.com or when ordering by phone at 240-25-POKER. That's 240-257-6537. Remember, to get your free gift when ordering your poker table, use offer code HOCRADIO. That's H-O-C-R-A-D-I-O. Order by phone at 240-257-6537 or online at ProCaliberPoker.com. ProCaliber Poker Tables. Stop playing around and get that table you've been looking for. Attention poker players! Do you like using your tablet or phone at the poker table but hate running out of battery at the end of a long tournament day or cash game? Then you need the Grinder Gadget. The Grinder Gadget is a portable, compact charging station and stand designed by poker players for poker players. It gently grips the rail 
and allows you to prop up and charge your phone and tablet without touching the felt. The Grinder gadget not only works really well on a poker rail, but just about anywhere. An airplane tray, a desk, anywhere. No more setting up your tablet on some wobbly table or leaving it on the floor. Its battery is powerful enough to charge most tablets and phones and still have plenty of juice left over for your headphones or any other device you have. You can even purchase a backup battery for those extra long sessions or trips. So if you like to grind while you grind, the Grinder Gadget is exactly what you've been waiting for. Check out www.grindergadget.com for more information. Get grinding and stay grinding with the Grinder Gadget. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Everybody is to leave here immediately. This cafe is closed until further notice. Clear the room at once. How can he close me up? On what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. Welcome back, everybody. This is the mailbag segment, my favorite segment of the show, when I am joined by handsome Dave Weishattle in studio with questions from listeners. Yes, we do. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at info at houseofcardsradio.com, tweet us at HOC Radio, post a question on our Facebook page, or leave a message or text us on the House of Cards hotline, 609-474-4627. And remember, if we use your uh, question on the air, you get a party poker baseball hat so what do we have uh we have a question which is very interesting from eddie from milroy pennsylvania eddie from milroy i have no clue where milroy is it's in pennsylvania it's in pennsylvania but it's a very interesting section of pennsylvania and you'll get this from his question i'm very interested in becoming a professional poker player my question is how often should i play to make my game better i live in an area where it takes more than an hour to get to a casino so playing in a casino daily is difficult are there any other ways I can play daily if driving to a casino is not convenient? What is the biggest mistake you've made when starting out playing poker? I think you just added that last part. A bunch <laughs> of good questions. Yeah. First of all, I don't really have an idea of where he is. Maybe he's around uh, State College. I'll, I'll tell you, I looked it up because, you know. Where is Milroy? Milroy is two and a half hours east of Pittsburgh, two, and a, two hours west of Philadelphia, and four hours from West Virginia. I was trying to think of all the big places that he can play. Two and a half hours. So east. it's it's pretty close to State College. Yeah, that oh, kind okay. of area. All yeah. right. So uh, how often to play? There's no way I can answer that. Yeah. I don't know how good he is. I don't know how much work he needs on his game. I found that if I didn't play at least once a week, I'm I'm losing some of the edge. But I was already a competent player. Uh, what can he do if he can't play in a casino? Well, you have two choices. One is to move, <laughs> so you are closer. The other so, is yeah. to organize a home game or find a home game mm -hmm. where you can play regularly. I mean, you think about it. People played poker for decades, centuries, before there were casinos everywhere. They did it by playing in games that were organized in people's homes underground. They're illegal, yeah. but uh, that's what I would recommend. The, the other possible option, and I'm not the best person to talk about this because I don't know, is to find a way to play online. There are still sites that you can get your money on 
Uh, I don't recommend them because I don't know that you'll get your money out. Yeah, um, that's a big that's a big but problem. But you can play online. There are ways to do it. And if he Googles around and talks to people, and I bet he can find a way. And he said he wants to be a professional. What yeah. track does he take? I mean, playing in home okay. games will make that's you easy. better. But That's easy. He doesn't want to be a professional. He doesn't. What he wants to do is to be a semi-professional. Okay. So have a day job, earn your money to pay your bills, and to build up a poker bankroll from... Regular work, whether he's a postal worker, salesman, or union rep, or whatever. Then, in the time when he's not working, start playing regularly, seriously, keeping track of his records, uh, and see how he does. And if he's able to, in his side business of being a poker player, build a bankroll equal to a half year's living uh, expenses, then he can think about think about quitting his job. I would not suggest being a full-time professional poker player if you're not near uh, one of the many places where there are games regularly. Um, so I would say go part-time. I think he, he must live in the worst part of Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania has, what, like 12 well, they casinos? Have, they have uh, Erie. They have uh, Cannonsburg. They have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and they yeah. have Philadelphia, uh, Scranton and Philly. So all Poconos. Over. What, what's the other question? we got a minute left. Well, uh, one thing I, w- I was thinking of is, uh, you know, the World Poker Tour, World Series, all the TV this guy, I guess, is watching and he sees the quote-unquote professionals. Is it better to become a tournament player? No. to be He can't be a re- tournament no? player because he's not mobile. Yeah, he's already so. telling you that he can't get to a room unless, you know, it's an hour away, so he's not able to just travel if, all over the world. If he is closer to a casino, would tournament play be the fastest no, track to I, corporate I sponsorship so. or anything I, like that? No no, 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 no. I mean, we're talking like somebody trying to get into the NBA who has never played <laughs> college ball. Yeah. He should play cash games, part-time, build a bankroll, and then decide. And yeah. I think that'll have to do it. Anyway, that does it for House of Cards and our mailbag segment. Listeners, until next week, please, good luck. And good day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.